Welcome back, everyone, to episode 51 of Life and Lit. We are kicking off February, which is Black History Month. So we're going to be featuring a great lineup this month. And we are kicking it off with a repeat author on the podcast. And we're going to be featuring Transcendent Kingdom by Yah Jossie. But before we dive in, I'm Sydney. And I'm Paige. And this is Life and Lit. Yes, we are kicking off February, like you said, Black History Month. We will will be featuring all Black authors this week and their stories. We have a mix of fiction and nonfiction, staying true to our little pact from last year to read more nonfiction, continue in 2023. But this is my first book that I read by Yaw Jossi. I didn't read, I haven't read Homegoing yet because my to-be-read pile is about 100 books long at this point. It's good. It's totally, like, it feels totally different, but then at the same time, I, like, got some similarities, I think, in the writing style. Yeah. But I really liked this book. It was totally different than what I expected. Yeah. But I really loved it. it. Yeah. It was a quick afternoon read, um, (laughs) as we like to say. It, but really, it read so quickly, and I just truly felt like she did such a great job of really putting you into the character's mind. Like, I yeah. I don't know how to describe it. Like, I feel like there are some books that I read, and I'm reading about these people and about their perspectives. But from when I was reading this book, I felt like I was reading from her perspective does that make sense yeah totally and I really liked how human and realistic this story was like I feel like this could be the life and story of any person you walk you like bump into on the street it's just so absolutely I don't know it was so interesting and yeah you really felt like you were a part of that character and reading reading their life in their own words not just things that happen to them yeah so it's phenomenal yes so before we dive in i will start off with the plot summary i actually have this book in person this is one that i got at barnes noble it was on sale for five dollars oh my god and i don't know how or why i bought it months ago and I just saw it on the, the sales stack and grabbed it because I knew it would be good. And it was one of their, like, the edition I got is a Barnes Noble Book Club exclusive edition. So it has extra content. I'm really thinking that there was, like, some flaw that I haven't found in this book. And that's why they marked it down. Yeah. Because I've never seen it on sale since then. I'm like, how did I get this for That $5? is interesting. I remember you saying that. Like, per- some weird vague memory I don't have like a good memory but I remember the most random things but I feel like at some point you like texted me that you bought it and you're like yeah so maybe we can do it on the pod in the future like I yes. you know enjoyed home going so much I just picked it up yes well because we it shocked me that it was on the five dollar rack because she 
you know, Homegoing was so successful and I feel like she's an up and coming or popular author. So I was just couldn't believe that this book was on that much of a sale. So yeah, I'm glad that I picked it up and I'm glad it worked out. So the here, one book I've been able to get without waiting in line at my library so far. <laughs> so the stars aligned exactly. for this to work out. So before we dive in, here is the summary for Transcendent Kingdom by Yaa Jossi. Gifty is a sixth-year PhD candidate in neuroscience at the Stanford University School of Medicine, studying reward-seeking behavior in mice in the neural circuits of depression and addiction. Her brother, Nana, was a gifted high school athlete who died of a heroin overdose after an ankle injury left him hooked on Oxycontin. Her suicidal mother is living in her bed. Gifty is determined to discover the scientific basis for the suffering she sees all around her. But even as she turns to the hard sciences to unlock the mystery of her family's losses, she finds herself hungering for her childhood faith and grappling with the evangelical church in which she was raised, whose promise of salvation remains as tantalizing as it is elusive. Transcendent Kingdom is a deeply moving portrait of a family of immigrants ravaged by depress depression and addiction and grief, a novel about faith, science, religion, and love. Perfect. That's it. And <laughs> that's it, folks. I, <laughs> that's it. I feel like this really sums it up. And again, I didn't even know what this book was about. I just picked it up off of the author <laughs> that. recognition. Every time. Yeah. It's literally true, though. Like, I am – and I know it's wrong. There's the, the old saying. I am very much – the cover has to draw me in yeah or i won't even <laughs> look at it and if the cover draws me in really well i may not even read the summary i'm just like hey that looks pretty really? good looks good good title <laughs> yeah so. this book really covers it all it covers families and relationships love science religion addiction i mean it runs the gamut and it's not very long but it no, does such a good job. It's so, like, succinct in the way that she does it. Yes. And it's really quick-paced. Yeah. And, yeah, it's broken up really nice and neatly. I liked it. I so. mean, we love a woman in science. Yes. And I knew this is you our second like one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you suggested it, I was like, oh, yeah, for sure, we'll do it. And I went to the library to get it. And when I read the cover, it was like, oh, another woman in STEM. Is that a theme this year? <laughs> With like uh, lessons in chemistry and now this one. Yeah, I love it. But I well, guess spoiler alert from here on yeah, out. Um, if that's you, what I <laughs> Yeah, if you want to read Transcendent Kingdom yourself and then come back and hear our opinions, press pause here and come back later. If not... We will be discussing the entire book in a relatively deep dive. Um, this one, the way it's written is kind of difficult to go super deep because much like our thought processes, it's very back and forth. <laughs> so mm -hmm. the fact that we are not exactly linear in our podcast makes telling the nonlinear stories harder. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just they're all just one giant tangent. So yes. <laughs> it'll be interesting. But yeah, we're going also, to. I think that's why I liked this book. Because yeah. it felt like like an extent. Like, 
it was like I said, really real. And it felt like you were in this person's mind because it was probably similar to my mind for you're just yeah, like, like all around. The way the chapters would go is like the flashback chapters would be like when she was remembering it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like you're in her mind the whole time. Yeah. So I guess we'll start off with the backstory for family. I think that so we're going to attempt to tell it in a linear fashion, even though it's written yes. non-linear. Yes. So Gifty is our protagonist, and her family came over from Ghana. Her parents met in Ghana, got married, and had her older brother, Nana. But then her mother's cousin had moved to America and kept writing her and sending her stuff to get them to come over and she had the American dream in her eyes you know um, she they all thought of America as the land of promise and she envisioned such a bright future for her son there Um, her dad who they called a chin chin man was not as convinced but eventually her mom went over like won him over and they all went to America together where they had her and they ended up in Huntsville, Alabama. Yes. Which just makes Wait. me think of Forrest Gump. <laughs> when he yells, Alabama. Rainbow, Alabama. Yeah. Yes. I thought I was going to say that seems like an odd place to end up, which it does because it's like the South. And obviously they kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. But yeah. they talked oh, about yeah. a church being the only black family. Yeah, that's true. There. And, like, it's a, I don't know. It's not like New York City or L.A. or Washington, you know, East, D.C.? Yeah, an East Coast city where a lot of people would naturally yeah. settle. Yeah, you settle where you land. Yeah. But, yeah, they ended up in Huntsville, Alabama. And so things kind of went along fine for a while and gifty was born there in the states and everything's kind of going okay until her parents start fighting a little bit more because i don't think her dad was ever 100 percent sold on the idea of being in america full-time and yeah i think he so his family and the village you know he got work as a janitor her mother got work as Kind of like a home caregiver uh, for yeah. the elderly. And they were working insane hours for very little pay to make ends meet. And I don't yeah. think he was very happy. You know, he was like, we left Ghana for this. We left our family. We left our friends for this. And I think he was very disheartened by it all. Yeah, it wasn't quite the American dream that I feel like they had envisioned. Yeah. In been sold or thought of so he eventually ends up going back to Ghana and at first it's going to be just temporary and you know he's going to come back soon he's going to come back someday but that turns into him never coming back so essentially he abandons them and that's especially how the kids felt it I think yeah they would like weekly or monthly then her mom was like, it's incredible just to see, like, 
the strength of the human spirit because she would like pretend it's all okay like for the kids to be like oh you know like don't blame your dad don't hit your dad for this but the kids were old enough eventually to see what was really happening yeah and that's one thing that I never or like that I really respected well first off these are all very complex characters oh yeah but in these scenes especially like the mom could have very easily tried to turn the kids against their dad and been really angry at him for leaving them and all of this but she never did she really wanted like she didn't want to burst that bubble for the kids kind of like you said so I really respected that but of course that just makes things harder on her now as a single mom with one income and trying to raise the kids so they grew up not having a lot and not having not really fitting like feeling like they fit in anywhere there because they were immigrants and they had there was like a Ghana American Association or something that her mom was a part of so they so where they could interact with other people from Ghana now living in the states but it was like they were kind of few and far between. So they were always having to drive an hour, over an hour or somewhere to meet up with these people. So on the end, they kind of were kind of isolated. But one place that they really found community, at least for her mom's perspective and how she kind of tried to get the kids involved, was by going to church. Yeah, And that was a really huge part of their life, a really formative part of their life, which I did not expect out of this book, which again, I didn't read any of it. So who knew? Yeah. But I was so interested by all of that. Like religion plays such a huge part in this book. And I really liked it. I liked. Yeah. Well, because it explains being raised in the church. And then the loss of that religion. Yes. Or trying to wrestle with it and trying to figure out, like, trying to reconcile the faith you grew up with to the faith you have now and the world you see now. And I thought that was just yeah. so interesting. And I found it, in a lot of ways, really relatable. Yeah. And it also made for good stories because I could just, like, picture a church like this, like what she Absolutely. described going to as a kid. And so that was super interesting. And that was one way that they found community. And that was extremely important to her mom. Um, less so to the kids, like typical kids, they were kind of drug along and did, I mean, gifty was very, very pious. Yeah. That was the word that she used. Yeah. <laughs> Nana kind of could take it or leave it, especially yeah. as she got older. But she was like, I'm saved. And you know, she kind of walked and viewed others with judgment. Yes. And she had a, a lot child. of the, a lot of the f- fear put in of like, I'm going to be a really perfect kid because if not, I'll yeah. disappoint God and things will be really bad. So she really, yeah. it helped shape her years growing up into being like a goody two shoes and very studious and, not wanting to ruffle feathers and all of that. And like to the extent that her journal entries were to God. She I would that was it, so sweet. I, yeah, like it 
it was sweet. It just think yeah. of um that one book. Dear the God, it's me, Margaret. No, oh. that one. <laughs> no, I was just thinking, what was that one? Hoover. Oh, I look like it ends with us. It starts with us. She would oh, like where write she her writes to Dory. Yeah, um, to Ellen. I yeah, that. I'm like, there, you've got that. Ellen or you've got God. <laughs> That's um, different. It, oh, it just made me think <laughs> of that. <laughs> wow, that just ruined it for me. <laughs> I, that. I despise that part of the book. I'm like, no one is writing to Ellen DeGeneres. No. But I did no. believe in this little girl writing to God. I thought that I was, thought so it was cute because there's like one where she's like, Dear God, like, I've been wondering where you are. I mean, I know you're here with me, but like, where are you exactly? Are you in space? You know, like, yes. cute little stuff like that. But then as her story is told, and the more you know, they, I think they kind of get a little bit sadder. They do. And it was really so she would sprinkle in some of those old journal entries yeah within like correlating to whatever memory she's having and so I thought that was really interesting and a great storytelling but you're right they do get kind of sad and like heartbreaking as they go on yeah but so they found community within their church but they also her brother anyway found community in sports he was a very gifted soccer player and that was something that when their dad was in the States that they went to all his games and they supported him. Like he was an amazing soccer player. But as soon as their dad left and went back to Ghana, I think it made him, it was too much of a sad memory for him. And he quit soccer. He ended up, they like went to this big state tournament and he couldn't get off the bus. And he just looked at his mom. He's like, mom, I don't think I want to play soccer anymore. And that broke my heart. Yes, that was he loved the game. One, because he was good at it and it brought him joy. But it was also something that brought him together with his dad. And after his dad left, it just brought him heartbreak and reminded him of that thing that he lost. Yes. But then as he got older, he kind of shifted that away from soccer and into basketball. Yeah. And he had was extremely tall, so he automatically, like, was really encouraged to take the basketball route like any naturally tall person is. And he really found a niche for it and quickly became, like, the star of the team. Of the community. They would, like, see him, like, at the, the grocery, grocery store and be like, oh, hey, Nana good luck at the game this week you know like that yeah. they would pray over him at church it was this big thing this whole big ordeal and so not only did they have community at church they kind of found community and identity in his sports ability yes and kind of the fame that that brought him the local fame yeah and I can't remember exactly like what the age gap was but Gifty was in like middle school when all this was happening. And so I really loved the scenes where she's like watching him play and like following him to practice. And then they walk home together and, and she's sitting up in the bleachers listening to everyone talk about how good her brother is and all of that. I just thought 
those scenes they're, were so sweet and I could I could picture it clearly like in our old high school gym I could see that yeah. whole scene yeah it so kind of reminded really cool. me with my brother because like as I would like go through school like two years after him and I'd be like oh you know I'm Balogun's sister you know mm-hmm. um but their relationship was my favorite it was so sweet because even though he, when he was going through his like angsty teenage boy years, he never left her out. Yes, he made sure to look for her, look out for her, include her in some way. Yeah, and I on the bench at basketball, like he would look over and like smile at her, or you know, just she was there. And I, their relationship was so so sweet to me. They really it just was. had each other. After dad left, and their mom had to pick up extra work. Yeah, he really took care of her and, like, helped raise her. Yeah. Yeah. So everything's going all right until he, Nana gets hurt one day in a game and, like, breaks his ankle or something. Yeah. And this is where things start to kind of spiral because he is given – strong painkillers oxycontin for the pain i don't remember if he had to have surgery or what but he's giving these painkillers and that leads pretty quickly into an addiction for him that he just can never seem to get out of so he spirals pretty quickly and that was heartbreaking to watch and how quickly it happens Yes, and to read the stories of just how different he was and the ups and downs where he'd be sober for a little bit and then he would relapse or, you know, they'd be during the bad times, they'd be literally driving around town trying to find him because he didn't come home and he'd be passed out in a, you know, in a park somewhere. Yeah. There was one that was really like, I don't know, startling where he was kind of raging out while he was high and like slammed their TV and Gifty's mom had to like run her up to her room and they were hiding in their room praying that he wouldn't break down the door while he's like smashing things in the hallway. And yeah, it was just really traumatic and heartbreaking to see the the deterioration of that. Absolutely. And the scene where, her mother was like this is enough like we're sending you to a rehab facility and you knew it was going to really stretch their finances to send him mm-hmm. away because I think it was for a whole month mm-hmm. and when they finally went to pick him up he seemed like the Nana that they knew and he apologized and he's like I'm so sorry like it won't happen again I'm clean I promise I'm clean and then like the end of that chapter was like Nana relapsed eight hours after he got home. Yeah. Oh, that was horrible. It was awful. And that's how it goes. You know, addiction is a disease and people don't want it. Yeah. You know, like it is something that affects you. It affects your whole family. And to just like read that, it it was heartbreaking. Because she would, it would like be interspersed. So like you would read something about like, like you said, his his rage out and then it would flip back to a happy memory of the two of them when they were kids so to see Mm -hmm. those juxtaposed next to each other was heartbreaking and I feel like it was a really 
real look yeah. at addiction and a really empathetic look because I feel like if you're not around anyone who's, you know, struggles with addiction, it's really easy to to say what's wrong with them or why can't they just quit or whatever. And I feel like this really humanized it. Absolutely. And, and to explain showed, the science behind it. Yes. And to show just how far it reaches and how yeah. how deeply this affected this little girl having to watch her older brother and how it affected her mom and then how she watched that struggle. It was just really Yeah. Really and well like done. once the commu- the community learned that he was addicted to opioids, they were no longer praying over him to win in his games. And they were no longer reaching out. They everyone withdrew. Like her, her friends were no longer allowed to come over and play, or she invited to go over there. And so, really, it just became her, her brother, and her mother against the world and against this addiction. Until one night, Nan come home, and she said, like, at that point they gave him so many days before they would start looking for him because he eventually it was like, we would give him two days because he usually came back within that time. And it had yeah. only been And then one. it was like, we'd give him four days before we called the police because, yeah. you know, he'd always yeah. show up at some point. But one day he didn't come home and they didn't. Cause like you said, they had like this predetermined timeline but the police show up at their door and say that they found Nana and he had overdosed. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Of course, and, her mother just absolutely melts down. Yeah. This really puts her mother into a deep depression. And... To the point that she tries to take her own life. Yes. And, and Gifty finds her. Yes, which was horrible. And so that, which, I don't know, the responsibility on that poor little girl, it was heartbreaking. She called right. her pastor because she's like, I don't know what else to do. He came over and kind of took her in while the EMTs got her mom and took her to a treatment facility and whatnot. And so she stayed with the pastor for a few weeks until – um, she ended up being sent to back to Ghana for the summer to be with her mom's sister and her aunt yeah. while her and mom she was had in never this been treatment. to Ghana. Yeah. Yes. So this was meeting a whole side of her family she had never met before and learning about her ancestors and where her family came from. And I think and that was a very the- powerful summer for her at such a young age. Yes. And one of the saddest things, though, about this, and I just hated it, was she'd been there for, I think, weeks at this point. And she yeah. asked her aunt, does my dad know I'm here? And yeah. And was like, yeah. And he just hadn't, His you know, hadn't reached out, hadn't tried to come see her, his daughter that he hasn't seen in years. Yep. Until she makes the contact and they do go visit him. And it's just like, I think that kind of sealed the deal on her relationship with her father where he's remarried now and he didn't, you know, he didn't even care enough to reach out to her when they're on the same, in the same country for once. And I just thought that was so heartbreaking. It was. 
to see what she goes through at such a young age that some people will never go through in their yes. whole lifetime. It's it's truly sobering. Yes. So she comes back after that summer and she and her mom try to continue on. Um, but there's always kind of this edge, I feel like. And I mean, obviously losing a child changes you forever and the family dynamics. But now Gifty, I think is just always kind of worried that some, like this is going to happen again because like her mom couldn't get out of bed and all of that stuff. So it really just fractured their relationship in a sense. Which was tenuous to begin with. Yeah. Yes. But then that backstory kind of gets us up to the present day where Gifty is 28. She's in her PhD program at Stanford. Um, Her mom's still in, you know, she's moved away from home. Her mom is still in Alabama. She's out in California and she's studying addiction in mice and trying to like break down the science of it and what like what cause what can cause them to change their behaviors which this was super interesting and it got so interesting kind of sciencey but not yeah. overwhelmingly but basically she would like step one was getting these mice addicted to something and at first they used cocaine which i thought was like funny not funny but (laughs) interesting yeah but then it switched to ensure they would train these mice that to like push on a lever and that would release ensure that they could drink and so they kind of got them addicted to it and then once they got to that stage she would do some experiments on them to try to break them of that yeah like when they press the lever randomly, it would like send an electric shock. So yes. there is never a pattern, but it was like, is the shock enough to deter them from pressing the lever for more insure? Yes. But then she would also do something with like lights. I don't know. I didn't get a yeah, person, she but she would try to get them basically like, to like stop doing it at all. Yeah, with light therapy. Yes. Studying what part of the brain was triggered by the addiction and if light therapy kind of quiet that was my understanding, yeah. my very rough understanding of it. Yeah, it was super interesting. So she's in her program working on this. She's kind of isolate, like she's never really got over the isolation that she's very much childhood. Yeah, she's very independent but also a la hermit like yes yes <laughs> but um, she gets a call one day from their old pastor saying that you know your mom's going through a rough patch again and it's the same kind of markings as what happened right after her brother died and so her mom ends up coming to visit. I mean, not really visit. She gets sent to California to be with, to stay with Gifty for a while. And so the whole book, you're kind of flipping back and forth between this current day where she's trying to take care of her mom, who's in this deep, deep depressive mode. And it's interspersed with all of her childhood memories. Yeah. 
And I thought, again, it was, this book just does such a good job of showing the complexities of people and of relationships and of family and the layers of people. It was, I don't know. It was just really interesting to me. It was, it was really powerful. Like she has these friends and then she has people she wants to be friends with. But then when her mother comes, she feels that she can't talk to them about it or she shouldn't bring it up because they wouldn't understand or they would look at her differently. And as you get through the book, she does start to open up to some of them and she learns that that's not the case. Like she is enough and they still care for her with all of her problems and and they want to help her. So it's about her learning to trust people and reach out again. Yes. And I think it shows just how much of an impact things from your childhood can make on you and how much that can carry into adulthood, whether you want it to or not. Like she, I think Gifty wants to have close relationships with people and she wants to feel part of the group. And, you know, she'll talk about her college years and some of the, the friends she made or the social interactions she had. And like, she, she wanted to try to be part of those groups, but she just didn't know yeah. how. And she was too scared because of yeah. all of her times from childhood. It's just, it's, it's powerful. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Like all the romantic partners she had, you know, she wasn't really interested in some of them. And then she met someone, I think at Stanford and she would always try to impress them with her intelligence and her mm-hmm. research. And this one guy was like, I want to know the gifty outside of that and I want my friends to get to know her but she was afraid to let them in and to like show her true self so it ended up not working out and she went to Harvard for undergrad and um, you know her best friend slash potential partner there was Mm -hmm. maybe like could have been like her one true love but again she was afraid to let her in and so yet another one got away so you see her like making very small progress in letting other people in all with like religious undertone. I can't even like begin to tackle the religious like undertones that were there because it's, I don't even, wouldn't even call it an undertone. (laughs) Like, no, I mean, it's there, but it's like there in every scene. Like there are chapters that's like, it's the very, it's the main context, but it's always mm -hmm. there in every scene, whether it's the main point, to make or if it's just kind of a an afterthought that she mentions like it's it's just always present I think it shows how much that like was seeped into her childhood and it like shaped her identity and I also thought it was really interesting because my copy this Barnes and Noble book club edition or whatever has at the front of the book which I thought was really weird but it has like a short little interview with the author. Oh yeah. And she talks about how she grew up in a really religious upbringing too and how it was like really formative for her and shaping for her. Yeah. And I thought that was so interesting. And I feel like a lot of this maybe is infiltrated because yeah. Yeah, Jocelyn I feel like it's from it's- Ghana and lived in Huntsville, Alabama. So it's like yeah. I just would love to know how much of this was drawn from her actual experiences and lived experiences. Like if there's little things peppered throughout. Yeah. That I feel like snippets. It, 
write that like this book without that depth and like upbringing and religion like that she had like I could never write it as well as she did and like with the power behind it like she did so that makes sense but it's super interesting it's very very good but yeah the the majority of the book is exploring her relationship with her mother and I would like to say it gets resolved but like it also doesn't really which I think is kind of the beauty of the book you know it's not like she suddenly has this big understanding and they forgive each other and they apologize for everything they've ever done and they live happily ever after it's in the end it's she's accepted her mother for who she is and she loves her for who she is Mm -hmm. but she's also learning to love herself like despite everything that happened to her Uh, there's one of my favorite little like kind of side stories was um, she shared a lab with a guy named Han and you know they had shared a lab for years and he would always get embarrassed like whenever she would talk to him but he would like randomly invite her to a party at his house or be like hey you want to grab dinner and she said but what if everything goes wrong and he's like but what if it doesn't like what if dinner goes well and then you kind of don't hear about it again until the very end of the book I literally like squealed out loud I when I read this. <laughs> when I read the very last chapter, and it's like, yeah, it's like the epilogue almost, but it's like yes. so casual. Yes, because it talks about her mother. Um, her mother ends up passing away, and then at the end, it just says, "From our house in New Jersey, Han and I can hear the church bells ring every Sunday." So it's just so casually put in there that dinner does go well. And, you know, her big thing was Han loves her for who she is and for her brain, but also for who she is outside of her brain and outside of the lab. And he was the first one that she really opened up everything to. Like everything in her past with her family, with her brother, with all of it, she told him all. And it was just, oh, it wrapped up so nicely. I know. So, like, not this fairy tale ending, but she does find a guy who understands her and loves her for who she is. And she, you see her learning to trust other people. And I'm curious to see how you kind of, how you religious ending. Because, you know, for me, it she was raised very religious. She lost that religion with everything that happened with her family. And then as she was caring for her mother in California during her second depressive episode, um, she started to kind of like talk to God again and ask him like a way to find a way back to her mother. But I wouldn't say she was, particularly religious by the end I think it it's interesting and it no I feel like a lot of it she like when her mom's visiting and she's trying to take care of her she like picks up the bible because you know she knows her mom would want her to and she doesn't want to tell her mom 
I don't even have a Bible in the house anymore. And I don't do these things anymore because she doesn't want to add on more. Yeah. To make She's her like mom doing upset. It for her mother. Yes. But through that, she kind of slowly reconnects. And then like the final scene, like you've hinted at, is how she has started going to a church like around where they live. Not even going for the services, just going to she's to sit in then in there and I don't know. I I liked it. I've and yeah. I understand that feeling of like that is a very peaceful environment. And I think I think that's one thing that's so interesting about this book is that it really wrestles with faith and what it means to each person. And just because you grew up one way, but now you think differently, like what's right or wrong? Who's to say yeah. what's right or wrong? It's all of those open-ended questions. Yeah. But... And I loved the ending because it is ambiguous, you know, like there's a certain level of resolution, but it's also a very real ending. It's not everything turned out so happy and resolved and she found her way back to everything but it's more like she's made peace with everything. Yes. And normal. So that's what I, I've, we've been sitting here talking. I've been thinking like, normally I despise open-ended. I was going I, to point that out. <laughs> no, I literally was sitting here thinking and I was like, I really should not like the ending of this because in any yeah. other fiction type story, it, it grinds me up and it eats me up when there is not a resolute ending. But I think I like this. Because it's, it's the, it's not like a murder mystery and we don't yeah. know who did it. Or it's not like, you know, something like that. It's more of these open-ended life questions where it's like, there is no one true answer. Yeah. But I like seeing how the character has developed and how they've been led down to whatever they're with and then in turn yeah. it makes me think about like my own life and my own self and so yeah. I appreciate it coming from this it's I get frustrated like I said when it's a a whodunit and you don't find out yeah. the answer or something like that but it's like with a book like this there's no real right answer for any of yeah. these situations it's, it's just like about... a very real ending for a very real story Yes. And it sounds cliche, but it's like, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey, but it kind of is it like, really it's, it's not about the ending and finding a concrete answer. It's about how did this character get to where she is and why, and you know, how does that set up maybe where she's going? It, it leaves right. it open-ended for things. Yeah. They're in a good still, way. Yeah. They're still working on it because we all yes. are. It's, yes. We're constantly working on it. We're on this constant journey, which, like you said, not to be cliche. But when you said, like, it gives you hope for your life and, like, looking at it, I feel that because you're, like, you can make it through this stuff and you're constantly yes. going to be learning from it and there are going to be the ups and downs. And the and feeling of... Look at what you're going to learn about yourself on the way. Yes. And the feeling of, like, you don't have to have it all figured out because yeah. some things are unfair figure outable like some things yeah. you're just not meant to figure out you just can't you just, and it's and you all just about to be at peace with that yeah that's I been like my it. journey like the like two months in my own life I have like had to learn to just 
accept things and let them go. Yes. And be okay with it. If you can teach me that, that'd be great. It's really hard. I, <laughs> I'm I not good know. at that. <laughs> I haven't. The control freaking me yet. is not good with yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's really hard. But I have to tell you, mentally, I'm so much better for it. I'm I just like, it. yeah, it'll be what it'll be, and I'm not perfect, <laughs> but I'm learning, and that's all we can do. Yes. So this was like a very existential. <laughs> discussion I feel like at the end and a, a very broad generalization of this book well, it's but a there's very really no book. other way yeah there's really no other way to cover it like we could go plot point by plot point and conversation and but that's really not what this book is about I feel like this book you truly need to experience it for yourself yes. we cannot I... tell you and give like I feel like I personally cannot give like a decent overview to the like that does it justice. Absolutely. And I even texted you while I was reading this because I'm like, I think this is going to be so hard to do on the podcast because it's not a linear plot. And I don't want to say that nothing happens because it does, but it's not about the like setting the story and then here's the action and then here's the resolution it's like it is a very existential book and it's just a book about a snapshot of someone's life and you how do you contain that into a plot or a summary because there's so many like multitudes of layers it makes it really hard yeah but it, it is more about the overall themes of faith and family and motherhood and you know struggles it's just really good it's really powerful it's amazing I in an unexpected way yeah I highly recommend this book I really do I truly enjoyed it I devoured it (laughs) you did you read it like really really quick yeah on like my day off I just like sat down on the couch it was raining I read a book yeah it is. So. It's really good. It makes you think. It yeah. reminds me in a way of anxious people and like I knew the you were Bachman book. <laughs> Just because of the style and like the the absolute realism of it and humanity yeah. of it is what got me. It's more... my favorite book of twenty twenty three. As I say. February 1st. As <laughs> we're um, like five weeks into 2023. I know. But, hey, that's it, good. It has been. I mean, I've read six or seven books this year and it yeah. is my it's my favorite so far. And I think it, it'll stay very high on the, the year. Yeah. I'm excited now to see how the year end recap, how it ranks. I know. Yeah. You've yeah. heard it here first, folks. Yes. We'll so. See. This is definitely a strong one. If you need a good book, if you want to reflect on some things, if you want to, I don't know, have a foray into a book by Yaw Jossie, I feel like this is really good. It's different, very much different than Homegoing. But yeah, I really want to read In some that. ways, similar. I mean, I can, I can see the writing style similarities. But I feel like this one goes deeper 
and yeah. but it's also totally different. So yeah, definitely recommend. All right. And we're first book for February. Yeah, that's a good one. We will be back next week, Valentine's Day, with another oh repeat gosh, author. I believe. Yes. And we've repeated a lot of these books, <laughs> or not books, but authors. authors. Yeah. This is another Which repeat. I like. Yeah. And then we'll close um, out with some nonfiction. Yes. Which that's the only one I have left um, to read for February. I'm caught up on the rest of my I'm, February reading. Finally, it was a struggle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I finished this book literally five minutes before we recorded. But yeah, now okay. you can go read, was it A Court of Wings and Ruin or something? Yes. <laughs> now you can finally finish that series. I'm just proud of myself for the restraint because I picked up um, the third Akatar and my last February book and I had not even really started. I'd start been like 20 pages into Transcendent Kingdom and I told myself, I'm like, you cannot read this book. You can't read The Court of whatever, Wings and whatever until you read these podcast books like you can't do it you can't be this far behind you're already cutting it too close and I stuck true to it I haven't even touched that other book I'm very impressed yet because tonight I'm gonna start reading it <laughs> and you have but, to text me your play oh I will for sure but that is our recap of Transcendent Kingdom if you liked it give us a like on Instagram um, at life and lit pod you can email us at life and lit pod at gmail.com this is very awkward for me to say because you usually do this part <laughs> i wasn't i'm letting you go for it i was like oh she's gonna do it this time sweet i was like <laughs> you like it and you email us and we, <laughs> you can comment on instagram we'd love to hear from you guys what you're reading if you have any suggestions moving forward for the pod yeah take it away sydney <laughs> that you did good that was pretty much it make sure that you, you um subscribe oh, yeah I'm anywhere like, that you listen give us a, give us a review yes probably five stars um <laughs> well also like you can leave us a bad one because that would make me laugh a oh lot, that's true honestly. and then we would talk about you on the next episode <laughs> yes <laughs> exactly so you know what we'll really we'll take any review that's fine and be sure to tune in next week for our next pick, a little Valentine's Day pick. So you can bet it'll be a little bit lighter than this oh, yeah. subject, maybe. Which this, I mean, this wasn't too bad. But as we were retelling it, I was like, this is kind of a depressing book. Yeah. But it, yeah, it turned it around. But next week, we're going to lighten it up with a little rom-com type read so be sure to tune in then and until next time happy reading happy reading <laughs>